homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today we're looking at the question of what are other ways to enter to the dimension of infinite consciousness? In our Dhamma session on Aselapoya, we looked at real emptiness and the insight pathway contained in the Chula Sunyata Sutta, Majjhimanikaya Discourse Number 121. And we've looked at various questions and answers about other ways to enter into infinite space, as well as how to overcome blocks from moving through the different levels of form. So today we're going to delve a little deeper into once you've attained to the dimension of infinite space, how do you reach infinite consciousness? If we briefly look at the Buddha's words again, the Buddha, in relation to the dimension of infinite consciousness, says, not attending to the perception of earth, not attending to the perception of the dimension of the infinitude of space, attends to the singleness based on the perception of the dimension of the infinitude of consciousness. His mind takes pleasure, finds satisfaction, settles and indulges in his perception of the dimension of the infinitude of consciousness. He discerns that whatever disturbances that would exist based on the perception of earth are not present. Whatever disturbances that would exist based on the perception of the dimension of infinitude of space are not present. There is only this modicum of disturbance, the singleness based on the perception of the dimension of the infinitude of consciousness. So in the instructions that the Buddha is giving, one has clearly emptied of the perception of earth and one needs to attend to emptying of the perception of the dimension of infinite space. And therefore, when you do that, you can reach infinite consciousness. There will be no longer any disturbances based on the perception of earth, nor on the perception of the dimension of infinite space. The main method that we spoke about on Atzalapoya was around when you attain to the dimension of infinite space, the main thing that you recognize is the feeling of spaciousness, boundless spaciousness. And in order to attain to infinite consciousness, what you need to abandon now to empty of is that feeling that is dependent on infinite space or associated with infinite space. The way to do that, as we said during our session, was to apply the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta to recognize that the feeling dependent on infinite space is impermanent. And so you notice the arising of it being seeking delight, welcoming and remain holding and so on. And then you then do the passing away. So you don't seek delight in that feeling dependent on infinite space. You don't welcome and you don't remain holding. Therefore, the delight ceases, cessation of clinging and so on. What you're really recognizing is that it is unlasting, it is impermanent. That is the disturbance that one can fall from that once you lose the feeling that is dependent on this infinite space. And so when you contemplate it, that's how you reach infinite consciousness. Also during our Aselapoya Dhamma session, we mentioned that another way to attain to the dimension of infinite consciousness was if we genuinely reflect on our gratitude to the Buddha. In the Vakali Sutta, Sangyutta Nikaya 22, Discourse number 87, the Buddha had said to Venerable Vakali, who was ill and unwell and had remorse and regret about not being able to visit the Buddha, and the Buddha saying to him, 
Enough for Kali. Why do you want to see this foul body? One who sees the Dhamma sees me. One who sees me sees the Dhamma. For in seeing the Dhamma Vakali one sees me, and in seeing me one sees the Dhamma. The point of this is really the access to our gratitude and appreciation, our heartfelt appreciation for the Buddha. If we've learnt any Dhamma from the Buddha, been able to practice in accordance with his instructions, then we see the Buddha. Any blessings of our practice are owed to the Buddha. The Buddha was the one that has achieved and realized perfect enlightenment all on his own and shared those teachings and instructions in order for us to be able to do the same, being able to free ourselves from the whole mass of suffering. So any amount of ability that we have to remove dukkha even temporarily, to being able to still the conditions in the mind is owed to the Buddha. So when we can have gratitude to the Buddha that is real and genuine, and it effuses the mind, then what you see is that the mind expands with that gratitude and we can attain to the dimension of infinite consciousness in this particular way. Gratitude has a very joyful aspect to it. It's effusive, expansive, particularly in the mind. And it's also closely linked to sympathetic or altruistic joy, mudita in Pali. Joy can be accessed with genuine gratitude and heartfelt appreciation. There's a tremendous amount of this sense of goodwill, of goodness that can be tapped into when you connect at the level of gratitude. When we look at applying the Vatupama Sutta, this will become clearer as we'll see the link to infinite consciousness. Those that have a strong connection to the pure abode, Sudhavasa, it's also possible to also contemplate gratitude more directly. In this way, one can also attain to the perception of the dimension of infinite consciousness through this strong connection and gratitude to the Arahants. And the light that one sees when attaining to infinite consciousness in this way to Sudhavasa may be even stronger and larger and distinctly more luminous. One other way of attaining to the dimension of infinite consciousness is about the Vatupama Sutta and the contemplation of derogation. This is another method to attain to infinite consciousness. So before we go into the Vatupama Sutta, it's good to take a brief look at the Buddha's words again from Metta Sahagatta Sutta. This is Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 46, discourse number 54. And the Buddha, as you remember, is teaching the bhikkhus about the Brahma-viharas and the enlightenment factors and the liberations. With reference to how liberation of the mind by joy is developed, the Buddha makes the following statement towards the end. Or else by completely transcending the base of the infinity of space, aware that consciousness is infinite, he enters and dwells in the base of the infinity of consciousness, Bhikkhus, the liberation of mind by altruistic joy has the base of the infinity of consciousness as its culmination, I say, for a wise bhikkhu here who has not penetrated to a superior liberation. Again, this reminds us of our lengthy Dhamma session on the Vatubhama Sutta, and Vatubhama Sutta is Majjhiminikaya Discourse number 7. If you remember what blocks altruistic joy or mudita, you would also know what blocks the dimension of infinite consciousness. So it is derogation or makkha in Pali. In simple terms, derogation is where we have contempt, 
So this is a strong dislike or a strong intolerance for others. What we do when we derogate is to belittle others by erasing their good qualities or by reducing their good qualities. We are not able to tolerate them or something associated with them and therefore we're unable to be happy with them. When we derogate others, there is a strong sense of self, me and mine. This is what blocks any happiness or joy towards others. So what is important in the meditation by using this method is to examine how derogation arises. This is due to anger or in Pali, Korda. Anger, as we all know, is when there is meanness or mental hate that arises in the mind. We may think someone has hurt or harmed us or those we care about. This is either in the past or they are currently doing something or we expect them to do it in the future and so we harbour anger towards them. With anger, we may even wish harm on them, particularly if we feel justified in our anger. We may think thoughts and have the receipts to prove why our anger is justified, thinking they did this to me, or they are doing this to my loved ones, or they will do this again to us. When we derogate someone, it's important to recognise that it stems from this anger. We can't be happy or joyful when we are angry. It's difficult to admit anger towards other people. Conventionally, we're not meant to harness anger because it's such an ugly trait. So instead, we end up denying anger or maybe justifying it when it becomes more apparent. As a result of this, we can't see where derogation is stemming from. If we do this contemplation of derogation arising from anger, we are effectively removing the blocks from appreciative joy and therefore the dimension of infinite consciousness. So we can attain to the dimension of infinite consciousness. Again, the best way to contemplate is always to take one's own examples for derogation. But I'll give a couple of examples, one that is an everyday scenario and another one that may be summer related, just in order to tease out how one would do the contemplation. So one example is if we derogate family member number one about something they did for family member number two. So there's all kinds of permutations, a sibling, a parent and so on. When they do something good, such as lending money or running an important errand or helping out, instead of simply giving due credit for the good deed, what we may do is belittle them, have contempt for them by saying, oh, finally, you're helping out for a change. Or in our minds, we may think they could have done it sooner rather than if I had to press them on it or something similar to, to those sorts of things. So in this example, you can see that derogation or contempt is seeping out. And what needs to be contemplated is why is it arising? So if we follow this example, what you need to see is that there may be anger towards family member number one. In the meditation, you need to investigate that. What things have they done in the past or are currently doing or what you expect them to do in the future that is causing the anger in one's mind? Is it something towards us or the people we care about? Another example that is more Dhamma related may be about someone in our Dhamma circle or group and we have contempt or derogation towards them because when they've done something good, such as being part of an almsgiving or helping on a retreat or supporting a monk or a nun, or when they have meditation attainments or they get an opportunity to teach or share Dhamma and so on, there's so many different examples. 
Instead of being happy for the blessings of that person's practice, we may end up belittling their contribution in some way or implying that it is flawed or not as good as it appears. So if we investigate further, when you look at this example, whatever it is, we may find that there's anger towards that person that's in our Dhamma circle or group. Maybe in the past they've cut us off in a Dhamma conversation, or maybe they've excluded us from a Dhamma event, or maybe they've told off one of our friends or loved ones. Whatever it is, you investigate and see what is arising and why. And then you consider whether it is good to be breeding and holding on to such things in the mind. What's really important in any of these examples that you bring up in your meditation is really to pinpoint the unwholesome nature of that mental state. To see that that mental state or mental stain is really something that is polluting the mind, something that is blocking higher mind states, something that is to be frowned upon, to be abandoned, and not to have an intention to do again. So take your own example, use as many examples as you may need to really see it, and then definitely contemplate this link between anger and derogation, because when you abandon the mental defilement of derogation, then you reach the dimension of infinite consciousness. We can end our session here. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you well. Peruan Saranai.